When you think about Paul's life in the New Testament, do you think of contentment? He was beaten, shipwrecked, confronted often, and put in prison. That's what Dr. Paul Cannings will talk about on today's Power Walk Ministries. Dr. Paul Cannings is Senior Pastor of Living Word Fellowship Church in Houston and Founder and President of Power Walk Ministries. Join us on this compelling teaching, which I trust will change your mindset about giving. Here's Dr. Cannings now with today's message titled, The Key to Contentment. One of the greatest attributes that a believer once achieved can provide such a great blessing to their lives is the issue of contentment. It is difficult when we don't have contentment because there is a desire to buy things which costs money, which requires more work, which requires bills and credit cards expenses that leads to stress and frustration that can come from dealing with the job and picking up the kids and having to work after work because brought home work to maintain a level of efficiency and effectiveness on the job, to climb the ladder, to make more money, to be able to buy more things. And then giving to God becomes stressful and it's a tension because we have bills to pay, but God is demanding that we give. The gas prices are going up, but he's saying we give. And so there's a tension because to love the world, the Bible would say, and the things of the world, to love the philosophy that the world has, the way the world thinks about certain things, the way the world defines life as having a lot of things and being able to hopefully win the big jackpot so you can relax and do nothing but enjoy life and not go to work. Not the principle of God saying work to eat, but no, let me find a way to do the opposite, and that is to not work while I eat. The world has a philosophy and a way of thinking that opposes God. That's why the Bible says when a person renew their mind, they're transformed by the renewing of their mind, and they don't conform to the world. There's no way they can love God in verse 15 of 1 John chapter 2. He says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. They don't trust in the Lord with all their heart. They lean to their own understanding. So trusting God, depending on God, leaning on God doesn't happen. So when a person does not achieve this great attribute to this great sense of strength that can come from learning contentment, then a person ends up drifting away from God because the Bible says a person cannot love mammon and love God at the same time. Those are two masters. Those two things are critical. The Bible says that for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. The world is passing away, also its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Notice he keeps using the word lust, meaning I am seeking things that are forbidden. I can't afford it. And when I can't afford it, the Bible is saying that I should not purchase it. When we look at Philippians chapter 4, and we hear of Paul telling us about this great attribute of contentment, we have to remember that the importance of this attribute is significant to the impact a believer can have, the sense of peace that can develop in their life, that can bring to a marriage more value and quality and more substance than superficiality, that can lead to a person's walk with God to be even more productive because they have more time to serve God. And that's why Paul in Philippians chapter 4 teaches us How significant this is when Paul says in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4, For I rejoice in the Lord greatly, and now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you are concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. 
Now I rejoice. I rejoice. That's after he said in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's same writer in First Thessalonians chapter 5 says, give God thanks in everything. It is his will for us to give thanks to God. This word rejoice is a lamb out in open field where the lamb just bounces around on the field despite all the dangers that can be there because the shepherd is there. He's saying, hey, it's not that there are not issues taking place. He's under house arrest. They're threatening to kill him. He's going through much rejection, chapter 1, because preachers have turned against him. And he's having all of these different things taking place. But he says in the midst of it, he respects the providence of God. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. To them, those who obey God and keep obeying God, no matter what the situation is they face, God takes their commitment in their obedience to him and take the negative issues of life and turn it around to be productive, profitable for them, where they gain something from it because they never gave up on God in the midst of it. He says that person is most productive. So Paul is living this out in the book of Philippians because he sees the providence of God operating. He alludes to this, well, states this in chapter one when people were speaking out against him. He says in verse 12, he says that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment, here he is in prison, he's writing Ephesians, he's writing Philippians, he's writing Colossians and Philemon in the midst of this, serving people, the guards near him on the house arrest, and he's writing them, he says, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole guard to everyone else. So his testimony is growing. People are being impacted because Paul is going to keep loving God no matter what his circumstances. He's going to run the race that's set before him no matter what's the circumstances. He's going to believe that he's more than a conqueror. He knows that because God is for him, who can be against him? He knows the fact that nothing can separate him from the love of God, neither principalities nor powers. Nothing can separate him. So God hasn't turned his back on him. No matter how difficult things look, God is not against him. God is for him. And Paul is saying, hey, I'm going to use this for the glory of God. Why? I rejoice. Rejoicing is an attitude. It's actually not a feeling. It's a decision that no matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm going through, I so know God has my back that I'm going to keep trusting him to do what he said he's going to do while I obey him for what he told me to do. That's what a rejoice actually means in the scriptures. It's a carefree response that God got this. He says in verse 14, And the most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So not just the Praetorian guard is dealing with this. He also has people who are listening to him as a prisoner and learning of all that he's doing as a result of being in prison. They're benefiting. They're finding courage because they see how God is working things out, sending him along the road, protecting him, being shipwrecked. When a snake bites him, not die. They're hearing all this. So they're getting courage to speak. So he says, even though some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of a selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. In this I rejoice. That's what he is saying that is leading to him rejoicing because he sees the providence of God in play. And that no matter what is going on in this life, God has not deserted him and it's all 
all a part of God's plan, so therefore I don't have to worry, I don't have to fret, because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly all I could ever ask or think. See, folks, this is how God wants us to focus, no matter how difficult life is, so that in spite of what we're dealing with, we press forward for His glory. This is what leads to rejoicing. It is this attitude that leads to contentment. You find this in Luke chapter 12. Compared to a rich man who thinks he has to have all this stuff in order to be happy and he's going to have a party and good time and build big barns and all this other stuff, but he can't control how long he lives. Christ compares that to a person who mostly in their society, an agrarian society, was people that weren't well off. So he makes the contrast and says in verse 22, he says, And he said to his disciples, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat and the body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, have no storerooms nor barn, comparing to the rich man, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. And he continues, he says, do not seek what you will eat. Do not spend your life chasing after. You see, so that's what I'm saying. If Paul can come to the point in his life where he can see the providence of God operating so that in chapter 1 of verse 21 of Philippians, he would say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. You can beat me. You can lock me in jail. You can threaten me. But it doesn't really matter what you do to me because for me to live is Christ, to die is going to be profitable for me because I'm going to run this race. So I press towards that mark. So Paul is seeking God because he's trusting God, fully surrendered to God, and that leads to contentment. That's why he would say, for all these things, the nations of the world, people who are not saved, who doesn't have the comfort of knowing that Jesus Christ is going to sustain them and keep them and watch over them, they don't have this. And because they don't have this, they have to get out there and make it happen. And that's why, folks, the issue in God's economy is first learning to trust God. And when I learn to trust God, I don't come to church so broke. And when the issue of giving comes along, it becomes antagonistic. We become upset. Why does a person have to talk about it? Hey, folks, we never feel that way about someone who we know cares for us, who has looked out for us, who we have a great commitment to, who we have a passionate love for because of how we feel the issue of giving and Sharing and reaching out to that person is so easy. That's why, folks, a person who is sincerely in love with God seldom struggle to support the kingdom work of God because the issue for them is that I trust God, who is my provider, to take care of me. I'm not going to be lusting after all the stuff the world has. I don't need that to feel content. I don't need that to feel a sense of significance. No, my contentment, my sense of perspective of who I am is that I no longer live. It is Christ that lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. That's why the issue for contentment was easy for Paul because of his perspective about what life is. Stay focused so that we don't live this life totally worn out because the pressure that life can put on us dominates our perspective of Christ. Rather than our perspective of Christ influences, shapes, and directs how we live this life. Stay focused. God bless you. That's Dr. Paul Cannings with a great picture. When the shepherd is present, despite all the dangers, the lamb is happy. And as he said, the issue in God's economy is truly to trust in God ourselves before we can give cheerfully and generously. 
you know, I had someone walk up to me the other day and said, hey, you have so blessed me when I listen to the station and feed off the word that God has placed through you. Oh, that means so much. I had a person say to me, hey, you saved my marriage. I was really going to walk out on my wife. You saved my marriage. Oh, man, that moved me to keep pressing on in developing this ministry. I pray, folks, that you would support our ministry and become a part of it and, and share with us and the resources that we have, because that goes to the support of this ministry. Pray for us. Please sincerely mean that. Pray for us. You'll share the word with other people and that you will become a partner, a regular partner with us. We would send you resources as a result. All you have to do is go to our website, powerwalkministries.org, and press the donate button. And I would explain in there how you could become a Power Walk partner. God bless you. It's been a blessing serving you. Now, if this message has been an encouragement to you, then why not contact us to secure your copy? We can be reached at 281-260-7402. That's area 281-260-7402. Or visit us online at powerwalkministries.org. And if you live in the Houston area and you don't have a church home, you're welcome to visit Reverend Cannings and his congregation at Living Word Fellowship Church. It's located at 7350 T.C. Jester Boulevard in Houston. Now remember, as you learn to trust God from your heart, you'll find contentment for your life. And you'll also freely be able to invest in the things that make an eternal difference. Music.